0: If there's one place a Christian should visit, if you have the means, it's the Holy Land of Israel and Jordan. And Pastor Ralph Yankee, Arno, and me, Bill Bunkley, want to take you along with us to both countries on our summer 2023 pilgrimage. Come see the epicenter of the world in God's holy city, Jerusalem. Witness historical locations and places of future prophetic events. Your cost is just $45.95, double occupancy, including round-trip air from Tampa, two meals a day, private Wi-Fi motor coach, Israeli and Jordanian guides. Space is very limited. A 700 deposit secures your spot with final payment not due until May the 10th, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our 10-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June 24th through July 4th, go to BillBunkley.com. That's BillBunkley.com. Or call me at eight one three two six four two nine seven seven. That's eight one three two six four two nine
1: seven seven. Born to die, that He might give eternal life, that I might live and turn my darkness. We have. The book of Acts and chapter 12. The book of Acts and chapter 12. And uh, I believe that's about where we are. Because we're talking about Peter who was in prison. And miraculously an angel came along and uh, got him out of prison. And delivered him out of the hand of Herod. Now we would think, you know, Herod, the king, is, well, he already had um, pleased the people by, you know, killing uh, James, the brother of John. And then he decided to put Peter in prison. He was probably going to try to do the same thing to him. But the angel of the Lord intervened on his behalf and let him out. So if you'll notice, in verse 11, And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the things, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Now, this John is uh, called John Mark, or John is one of the names of you know, the Hebrew name, Mark, is a Gentile name, but it's, uh, it's his name. Where many were gathered together praying. Now we'll read a little bit more about this uh, John Mark in a little bit. But first of all, it says that he came to the door, in verse 13, And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda, And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Remember, they're having a prayer meeting for him to be released. And then they thought, Well, you're mad. (laughs) You would think you're supposed to believe your prayer, right? You're supposed to believe that when you pray, something happens. Well, some people just think, well, I didn't expect it to happen anyway. So you have not because you ask not, and then you don't ask believing. He said, whatever you can believe, you really believe it. And that's going to be because you knew the will of God. So you've got to read and study the Word of God. And he makes a statement here in verse... uh, 17, But he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declaring unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he says, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers. What was become of Peter? What happened to Peter? He was chained between two people, and next thing you know, he's gone, goes out of the gate, and how did he get out? Nobody knows how he gets out. I love it. I love the Lord just, he's talking about shock and awe. Shock and awe. And so he says um, in verse 19, And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. So what happened to those keepers? <laughs> they were put to death. They was their garden, but they let him get away. Well, it wasn't their fault. There was nothing they could have done about it because it was done by the angel of the Lord. And God had already promised Peter that he was going to live to be an old man. He'd already told him he was going to be an old man and that they were going to carry him where he didn't want to go. And so uh, that was the crucifixion of course. And so he says up here and he went down from Judea to Caesarea and their abode. Now we have a little uh, uh, inset here of uh, a little story about Herod. Now Herod Pleased the people in killing James. Then he went after Peter. And so things weren't looking up too good. He was having some problems uh, because there were some people he disapproved of on uh, part of the empire. In verse 20, And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. And they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus, the king's chamberlain, their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. So most of these countries underneath the iron heel of Rome. And so he says there in verse 21, And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne, and made an oration unto them. So he's going to give his speech. It wasn't an acceptance speech. It was already accepted. <laughs> but he's going to give a speech. And uh, Verse 22, and the people gave a shout saying, it is the voice of a God and not of a man. So he must have been a pretty smooth talker, pretty good. That everybody was just impressed and just couldn't believe that these words are coming from just a man. It had to be out of God. And so that he was a God. And in verse 23, and immediately the angel of the Lord smote him. Now remember, he's the one that wanted to kill Peter and Peter by the angel of the Lord was set free and the Lord smote Herod so who won who lost there's just about everything that goes on you know somebody got to win and somebody has to lose in verse 23, immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because, get this, he gave not God the glory. Do you know whether the man saved or lost? God wants glory. To recognize that there is a God and to give God the honor and the glory. Uh, this is why it say, says in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, it says that um, God wants all the glory and put no confidence in flesh. And because of that, God does not like it when man steals his thunder, his honor, his glory, or his power. Try to take credit for something God did. God is a very jealous God. Very jealous God. And then he says here, now what was the result of this? Because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms, and gave up the ghost. Wouldn't that have been a horrible death? A horrible death. Remember now... He was going to kill Peter, Uh, the angel of the Lord killed him. And because God knows what he's doing. And the hardest part about what we do is is learning to wait and depend upon the Lord. This is why I have really enjoyed, on Sunday night and Wednesday night, teaching on the book of uh, 1 Peter. Because it deals so much with suffering, why we have to suffer in this life. And he keeps going over and says, "Uh, here's an example of why we suffer. And uh, about the long-suffering of God, waited in the days of Noah, because God is patient. So he tells us, be patient. It's glory after suffering. So you and I are supposed to like Christ. He came into the world and he suffered, then glory. So we are here and we suffer because we don't get our own way, do our own thing. We have all the problems in the world, and so while you're here in this world, you're going to suffer in this world. But if you be faithful, glory follows. So be patient. Patiently wait upon the Lord and ours isn't coming maybe in this lifetime. Our victory is going to come when we leave this old world, we get to heaven, and God's going to bless us and reward us for what we have done for Him. So be faithful unto death. Just wait. But look at this result in verse 24. Look what it says in verse 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Now, you remember when the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees all said, Don't preach in this man's name. Why? Because they did not want them publicizing the name of Jesus because it was against their religion. And so um, I guess you would say they were politically incorrect because everything they did backfired on them. Kind of like watching an election going on sometime. Can you imagine this? Just think about this for a second. Here's a man that I don't know if he knows the Lord or not. But who had just about everything that you'd want. He had fame, popularity, money. So why in the world would you want to jeopardize everything you have in order to run for the beat of president? Do you realize when he goes into the White House, he's stepping down? Do you know that penthouse he has? They said it's about a $100 million penthouse. That's, that's more than I made last year. Do you realize how, how much money that is and wealth? See, he don't have to have Air Force One. He's got his own plane. <laughs> so he goes down there to meet with Obama. He flies his own plane, 747. Big plane. He flies it down there. I think it's just a riot. And then he had most of those in the Republican Party against him. And then he had those all in the Democratic Party against him. And then all the news media. I mean, whenever I pick up the newspapers and listen to them, everybody just just blasted this guy. And then on top of it, he wins. Took out 16 other guys. But when you get through with it, remember he kept saying these words, We don't win anymore. We don't win anymore. But he said, I'm going to win. And he won. He won. He won. He won. He won. He won. won. I think God gets a kick out of this. Because they were talking about how that the election was going along. And here's the Republicans. And here's the Democrats. And they could see that the Democrats were winning the election. And then everybody went to prayer all across the nation. They went to pray, and it's the timing that they began to have the prayer meeting, it crossed at the same time, and it went like this. Exactly the time that they were having their prayer meeting, praying for... So, does prayer work? I believe prayer can work. Can God use them? God can use them. But I don't believe He has our total answer. Our answers, we still look to the Lord. But it would be nice to have some freedom in America. Have you also noticed this, that... You don't have the Republicans having riots after Obama won. Why are they doing it? Because, see, they want to have riots. And it, what is it going to solve? Is it going to change the election? No, it ain't going to change the election. Isn't it interesting? Remember, these riots and stuff like that, we mentioned before, that you'd have to turn this country into a, a a mess in order to declare martial law, and you'd be surprised how it can turn into something real ugly. So we do need to be concerned and pray, because I believe they're just being manipulated. Half of them don't have a clue what they're doing or what's it going to accomplish, and probably find out that most of them probably never voted in the first place. So if they really cared, well, you get. what we have to do? We had to suck it up whenever we didn't get our way. See how y'all keep getting me mixed up when I'm, I'm trying to teach the Bible? And y'all keep doing that. But look, look what he says there in verse 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Remember, that's the one that was having a, a Bible study, a prayer meeting in his house, which is also in the same chapter. And so, this John Mark, John is Hebrew and Mark is Gentile, and, uh, but it's John Mark. Now, I want you to notice also, they choose this man to go with them. But not everything always works out smooth. It did for a while. But look there in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. And look at verse 36. Verse 36. And this is what he says in Acts chapter 15, verse 36. And some days after Paul, because now Saul has been changed to Paul. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord. And see how they do. In other words, see how they're coming along. Now, one of the reasons that I really enjoyed, like, being on the road and traveling in a motorhome, and we would go by and visit people, and um, a lot of them were Florida Bible College graduates. And a lot of them weren't, but many were. And so we'd go by and see and preach for them, win some people to the Lord, challenge them, motivate them, and then move on to the next place. But the next year, most of them, we'd go back to the same people and see how they're doing. And then we'd do it the next year. And then we'd add in a few other places, But it's always good to be able to see how are people doing. Well, this is what Paul wanted to do. He says, let's go back and see how they're doing and try to encourage them and so on. And notice in verse 37, And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now, that was his nephew. So Barnabas wanted to take his nephew with him. And um, he was determined now. Whenever you first read about Barnabas, he was the comforter, the one to come alongside. Uh, everybody needs a Barnabas. But Barnabas wasn't evidently uh, a total pushover and just a person to take the back seat. Uh, I guess he was along for the ride as long as you, um, you agree with him. But now he's willing to separate from Paul because of his nephew. And so notice what happened. In verse 38, but Paul thought not good to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. In other words, they had a a missionary journey. And Mark had gone, I guess, a few places and then he didn't want to go no more. He quit. And so because he quit, I guess Paul couldn't depend on him. Now Barnabas wants to take him with him. He says, no, I don't think that's to be good. Because he had quit, and he didn't want to have him come. Barnabas did. So you got two giants in the faith. Two of the biggest names here in the book of Acts. And they have a disagreement. And what happened? So he says here, verse 39, And the contention was so sharp between them, that they departed asunder, one from the other. And so Barnabas, he took Mark, and sailed unto Cyprus. Paul chose Silas. And departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now, have you ever seen these uh, guys that sometimes do these little tricks of getting a plate on a stick, and they get it whirling, and then they get another one, and get it whirling, and then they get another one, and get it whirling, and then when they get another one, and get it whirling, and that nowhere starts to wah, wah, and they run back over there and get it going again. Well, that's the way it is with people. People in the church, some of them, you you get them going, ah, they're going wrong, fine. So then you put some time and try to get somebody else going. Then you try to get somebody else going. And then that one stops wobbling, starts wobbling. And then you go and try to get that one going. Then that one. And you you can drive you nuts. Do you realize that not everybody keeps serving the Lord all the time? And you build a church on the temporary dedication of God's people. Wouldn't it be neat if everybody just served the Lord And you wouldn't have to always keep challenging them, motivating them. And then people would drop off, stop serving the Lord, and then here comes somebody else. Well, it caused such a dissension between them that um, they they parted ways. And years later, he recommended, and bring Mark, because he is profitable unto me in the ministry. So somewhere in between there, Barnabas must have done some good with Mark because uh, Paul wanted Mark to come again later on. But there's always, and sometimes there's divisions among good people. And uh, so they have to separate and do what they do. It doesn't mean that God can't use them because God can. And just that you sometimes just always agree on how something is to be done. Uh, Hold your place there in chapter 13 of Acts. But I want you to take your Bible and turn over there to the book of uh, Galatians in chapter 2. Galatians in chapter 2. Now, it would be wonderful if everybody just got along, but they don't always get along. People have conflicts. And sometimes we have, you know, we call it personality problems. But it's, uh, it's really, it's, it's sin. When we have these personality conflicts, it's sin. And uh, it's because somebody just won't give in or won't adjust, and so you got problems. Now, get what he says here in the book of Galatians in chapter 2. In verse 5, the Apostle Paul is telling the people there in Galatia uh, something that had happened years before. He says, To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Because you see, in verse 4, he talks about there were false prophets that were brought in, and they're always trying to add something to the gospel twisting things. And this is why in chapter 1, in verse 6, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the gospel of grace, into another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that would trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven preach unto you any other gospel, let him be accursed. So he says, we had that happen, but we didn't move. We stood our ground. They didn't compromise, you know, just for fellowship. So he says here in verse 6, But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepteth no man's persons. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. Now you say, who is he talking about? The, the apostles. The apostles. He says, they didn't know anything that I didn't know, because God had already done, told him. Christ taught him, and he, yeah, they got together. And he says, they didn't have anything they could add to me, except they agreed that uh, Peter would go to the Jews, and I would go to the Gentiles. So he said, but we preached the same thing. So he said in verse 7, but contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision to the Gentiles was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. So they both preached the same gospel. They both had a ministry given by Christ. And so there was no problem with that. But now they had come together because there's a church started in a place called Antioch. And that's where the Christians were first called Christians in Antioch. So somebody came to see them. Now look what he says in verse 9. And when James and Cephas, or Peter and John who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, Gentiles, and they unto the circumcision, the Jews. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. In other words, I've already determined to do that, but that was their recommendation. So everything's good. Everything's cool. Everybody's getting along and then. Verse 11, but, see that but? But when Peter was come to Antioch, I would stood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. Can you see the Apostle Paul blaming the first Pope? If Peter was the Pope, (laughs) he was not infallible, that's for sure, because he had problems What in the world did Peter do that was so bad that he had to be rebuked in front of everybody? You say, leaders shouldn't do that. Well, he did it publicly. That's why Paul had to correct him publicly. So he says here in verse 10, Only they would that we would do this. So in verse 11, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James... Remember, James now is the pastor of the church that's in Jerusalem. And he did eat with the Gentiles, talking about Peter. He was a preacher to the Jews, but he still ate with the Gentiles at the church there in Jerusalem. And so he says, But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the Jews. Because he didn't, Peter didn't want those Jews to see him fellowshipping and eating with those Gentiles. So he compromised. He uh, caused a division. He caused a problem. He split Paul's church. Paul had a church. Peter was a guest speaker. Or he came to his church, split it. The great apostle Peter. And he says, I had to rebuke him to his face. Because what he was doing was compromising the truth of the gospel. Because under the gospel, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, Greek, bond, free. They're all the same. Everybody's the same. And that one is not better than another. And that they were not supposed to be under the law. And the reason for not doing that and eating with the Gentiles because they, the Jewish people, believed that was unclean. And you didn't do that. Well... The Lord had already told him and taught him a great lesson in chapter 10 of the book of Acts with the story about Cornelius. But now notice this. He makes a statement in verse 13, And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation or their hypocrisy. So now Barnabas and Paul is together again. Then Peter comes and caused his compromise because he didn't want to offend the Jews. He withdrew from the Gentiles and would eat with them and affected Barnabas. So he not only split his church and some of the other Jews, he did it with his leadership. See, everything is not just smooth in the scriptures. The Bible tells us the good and the bad. It not only tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. It also tells us that David sinned and committed adultery, doesn't it? And he did the wrong. The Bible records that. Aren't you glad your name is not in here? With all of your faults. For people to read for eternity. But now notice what it says here. In verse 14. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. Because they were compromising. I said unto Peter, before them all, If thou, being a Jew, liveth after the manner of Gentiles. Ooh, Paul, you shouldn't have told on him. Because he was living like a Gentile. Like he's not under the law. But when those Jews showed up, he lived like he was under the law. Because that's what they taught. So he says, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews or under the law? So then he makes his statement in verse 15 We, including Peter and him and all, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, we're not Gentiles, we're Jews. He says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we, Jews, might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ," we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? In other words, if we're still seeking to be saved by keeping the law, then are you saying that you're not saved now? But if you are saved, why are you seeking to be saved? If you are justified, why are you seeking to be justified by the law if you're already justified? You're not under the law. So, conflict, conflict, conflict. Would take my place.
0: Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least
1: five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, Three, three, six, three, four. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day believing that the Lord is coming soon and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.